Hello, my name is Chad Vandiver, and it's my privilege to welcome you to the Empower One Network Conversations. Uh, today, I am joined, uh, as always, with my friends at Empower One, Mike Congrove and Matt Jones. Guys, why don't you share uh, what God is teaching you through Empower One during this season? Mike, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I think that it's been a longer season of this, but the thing that God has uh, been teaching me, and I think um, a lot of us in Empower One, um, is how to um, how to abide, and 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 I think how to how to do. There's activities that we need to do. There's there's calling this and things we need to to, to do as part of, uh, the agency that we have and, 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 and being a part of this ministry. But, um, God continues to teach me that, um, you know, uh, I just was reading first Samuel, David, you know, he would inquire of the Lord before he would go into a battle or, or, or make a move against Saul or, you know, inquire of the Lord. And, and so just that stopping, and asking the Lord and spending time with God um, before we move, before we act, before we make decisions, and um, and doing ministry with God in a in a more more meaningful way, in a more uh, tangible way, um, continues to be what um, what God's teaching me, and I think again more of us at Empower One. Absolutely, that's awesome. Yeah, that's one of the things I've noticed working with Empower One leaders is that the, that focus on abiding and that we can do nothing apart from God, uh, which is, is so healthy, so true. And uh, we often say that, but living it is something completely different. And that's awesome. Well, Matt, what about you? It's along the same lines, a little different expression. Um it's kind of the old saying, the more you learn, the rest, the less you realize, you know, you know, um, so I've just been humbled and, um, you know, haven't been doing this in very long, not nearly as long as you two, but you kind of learn some things and you think that you've got a lot figured out. And then you realize that your perception of the ministry and what God is doing is more of kind of like a keyhole glimpse into what God's doing. And, um, I've just learned to kind of just trust and um, not try to get worked up about the things I can't control. So um, just kind of like humble myself and try to take my foot out of my mouth when I need to. And, uh, and just, and just uh, kind of trust the, that God is working regardless of um, what I, what I think I see. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's really good. Um, that's is wisdom that we all need uh, as we're, as we're leading and doing ministry together. Um, you know, I love the, uh, the opportunity to work with African leaders and just the, the way they're so humble every time and I get to connect with them. And that's, it's an amazing privilege to get to do that. Well, um, as we think about uh, getting to work with them in power one network church planners um as you in think about what God is teaching us, today's conversation really is on healthy partnerships. And uh, we've talked about this idea. We talked about this idea last time in our first episode of the infinity loop and the way that when anyone who's a believer it gets to go on a mission trip and God uniquely prepares them, teaches them something on the on the mission field that they would have never learned otherwise. And then they're able to apply that back at home in their own community, makes them a better missionary 
uh, where they live. And man, just over and over, there's this infinity loop that's created and they mature as a believer. They, they grow as a believer, uh, but then they also often will take risks and, and be bolder on the mission field than they were at home. So then that makes them bolder at home and, and, and back and forth. But as we think about healthy uh, partnerships, uh, we really are going to focus today on what every partner needs to know about praying, participating, and providing for church plants in Northeast Africa. And uh, so, so Matt, man, you, you've done uh, a lot of mission trips with Empire One. You and I have been on mission trips, even to, to West Africa, to Burkina Faso together. Um, so how how would you define a healthy partnership? Yeah, I think, it, you know, when you're looking for partnerships, I think first off, the posture just needs to be, you're going to trust that God brings those. And um, we mentioned it last week, but um, kind of knowing your calling and sticking to that calling, kind of staying in your lane, to use a bit of a cliche, but um find people who are running the same pace you are in the same direction and uh, partner with those people and god tends to bring those um you know we pray for laborers luke 10 to uh, pray for laborers all the time and um god god will bring partnerships that are going to meet the need that are according to his will and um, we kind of have to sacrifice some of our uh, ambition and some of our desires and um you know, we always say around here, let's make plans and hold them loosely because uh, God can redirect and we need to be flexible and nimble. And, um, you know, some of the best partners that we've had have kind of just fallen in our lap. Mike said last week, we back into everything we're good at. And that's the truth. Like we didn't see it coming, but like there it is. And, um, you know, we've made some really, really good partnerships um, just by simple emails to generic lines and just saying, hey, I'm looking for information on this. And the next thing you know, you're in a phone call and you're at their headquarters and they're, you know, meeting with your people. And other times when I thought, like, oh man, this is going to be a great partnership. I'm going to pursue them. And then it goes nowhere. So um, I think ultimately it just comes down to God's going to do what he wants to do and uh, just pray that he's going to bring the right people and just pray for wisdom and discernment for when those people come along or partnership opportunities in general come along that you just need to um, need to trust that God will let you discern on, on who to lock arms with and and who um, you might need to uh, let do their own thing. Yeah. Mike, what about you? How would you define healthy partnerships? You know, my, when I first got into ministry a, a long time ago, uh, there was a guy named Mike Jorgensen who discipled me into ministry. And uh, he, when he was teaching me about partnerships, he, he impressed on me that there needs, to, it really needs to be close to 50, yeah. 50. He said, if it's not, 50-50, it's probably not a partnership. Doesn't mean you don't do it. You just probably don't call it that. And I think that the assumption might be, um, you know, in a, well, if if you, the American short-term mission trip goer or missions pastor or pastor or foundation, you know, gatekeeper, it's like, well, Empower One wants all of you. Um, and what are you going to get back? And now you, you mentioned the infinity loop and, and, you know, it's, we really, our heartbeat with a good partnership is it's, it's close to 50, 50. So, so the way that might play out is, you know, of course we want you to come where we work in these six countries in Northeast Africa. And we want you to experience God there in a way that you hopefully, or maybe not hopefully, maybe you've, perhaps you've never experienced them and, and certainly meet people, um, 
church leaders and, and, and lay folks and women leaders and children that are just fabulous. And, and, um, and we want you to help us plant churches there. We want you to help us reach unreached peoples in this place. And we want you to help us train church, church planners. Um, and we do want that from your side, um, and to give and to pray. Um, but we equally want, you know, a short-term missions person who's come, comes on a trip with us to come back and be on fire and be willing to do way more for a local church and support a local pastor in a way that he's probably never been supported before and, and willing to step into the gap in some places um, that the local church is looking for, you know, or, you know, if you, if you rise it up to the local church level of, of, of a, of a lot of people who are going to experience God in a new way, experience discipleship in a way, maybe they've never shared their faith and they come back and they do those things in your local church. And, you know, somewhere in Texas or Oklahoma or Florida. And so, um, you know, we, we want this, we want a partnership to be mutually beneficial and not just be one way. So as close to 50, 50, um, as it can be is, is, is an ideal partnership. Yeah, that's excellent. I've, I've always said partnerships are a two way street and, and that, that's, that, I think that is, that is a very healthy way to look at it. Um, I know, uh, Mike, one of your favorite things is to bring someone who's never shared their faith before. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What does that, what does that look like? It is, you know, and, and there, um, and I've, I've had you know, friendly disagreements with other folks who, you know, they're like, who have the p- position and I respect this position that, yeah. Hey, if you're not already doing this at home in America, then you shouldn't come to fill in the blank country. Yeah. And my experience has just been different. Um, that's absolutely wonderful if, if we have those folks, but, uh, but my favorite person to take is the person who's willing to come yeah. willing to share his or her faith, but is absolutely terrified. Yeah. And, and it follows kind of a pattern on our trips typically. And the pattern would be, you know, we, we do, we do all the training. We, it's not like we throw you to the wolves. We, we actually do the same training multiple times um, to try to get you as equipped as we can. And you're, and you're with an amazing translator who can cover anything. Um, you could probably say whatever and they'll cover it. That's right. But, um, you know, t- to be honest, typically that first day out doesn't go well. Yeah. So they're already really scared. Um, they feel inadequate. They feel, you know, all those emotions. And then um, something, nothing bad has happened, but like, it'll be, you know, no one really wanted to talk to me or it was cold or they didn't want to hear it or just something negative. And I don't know what God, why does that pattern, but I can suspect it's just more faith towards him, but, and they get kind of down yeah. and they're really feeling it. And then they show up that, that next day. And typically it's, this is the way it works. And I mean, we've had all kinds of stuff happen. I mean, we've literally had, someone walking along a road and an, a local person stops and says, Hey, I saw you in my dream last night and you're supposed to tell me something, you know, I mean, things like that. And they're like, Oh, okay. And, and they do their spiel and here's how, you know, and, and then they see, or they're, uh, you, typically you go into a home and you, maybe you're sharing with one or two women and you know, who are, but by the time you're done sharing your, the gospel and telling your story, there's like 16, 70 people who have come and they've gathered around and you get to, you know, would any of you like to follow Jesus? And like, everybody does, you know what I mean? And so, and so I, stories like that. And I just, 
I just love that. And they come back that, that second night. It's like, you'll never believe what God did. And, you know, uh, and it's just, uh, I just, absolutely. and then they're on fire. And then they, they lose that fear. And again, the, the partnership part is they come back to Waco, Texas, or they come back to Gainesville, Florida. And they say, you know, okay, Pat, you know, send me out to that apartment complex and I'll, I'll be happy to share the gospel or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, a lot of times when that happens, somebody's really nervous and they really do a bad job sharing the gospel. <laughs> and uh, like multiple people come to faith in this kind of botched gospel presentation. And then kind of the light bulb goes off that it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's really not about me. Yeah. It's not about the words I use. It's about my obedience and God working in the hearts of people. So um, that's, that's also a lot of fun to kind of see that, that realization come about in trip goers. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not about us. I mean, I, one of our, uh, trainers that my wife and I had Tom Wolf used to say all the time, you know, it's not about you. It's not about your gospel presentation. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit's job to save and do, do the work that he does. And man, if God can use a donkey, he can use anybody. <laughs> so that, that's awesome. Uh, that's really cool. I, I love those stories too. Just seeing people and come back home on fire uh, like they were, were never before. Um, well, as, as you think about, uh, partnerships, again, defining healthy partnerships, how, uh, can people pray for Empower One right now, Mike? What are some specific things that, uh, prospective partners or current partners even can pray for right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, mention what God's teaching us just, I mean, I think that we, we've gone the last couple of years talking about John 15, five abiding. We talked about Matthew eleven twenty 20, uh, being in the yoke, Psalm one, you know, being planted, and I, and I and I think any of those scriptures, you know, praying those for us is um, we would love that and really appreciate that. Just just our connection, our reliance on the Lord, our confession that we can do nothing apart from Him, mm-hmm. um, and then <clears throat> beyond that, um, you know, Jesus said, I mean, we are a missions organization who um, you know ultimately wants people who've never heard Jesus to not only hear about him, but follow him and, and, and discover how much God loves them. And so um, that's a big prayer, you know, help God putting us in positions and putting our, our, our teammates in positions to bring the gospel to unreached peoples. Um, and then um, Jesus said, labors, I'm sending you out, ask for labors. And so we're asking. And so join us in asking for labors, both in Africa and in America, we really are asking for labors in both places. And, and then, you know, resources um, that God owns it all. We trust him. He's been unbelievably good to us. Um, but we do ask our folks to join us in praying for resources. And then that we are able to steward um, not only what he puts in our hands, but more again, to reach more people uh, for Christ. That's awesome. Yeah, that, you know, the power of prayer is what creates movements. And we've seen that over and over again in Empower One. Um, and I mean, God has, has been faithful. I, I was just reading about Empower One when I first started, even it was just incredible to see over the many, many years, man, how God has just faithfully provided and, and uh, done things throughout uh, the years of this ministry. Well, well, Matt, um, how do you see prayers being answered right now? What are some specific prayers or things that you've seen being answered? Yeah, like we um, we had this kind of this big vision to reach initially 20 million people in Sudan and South Sudan and then 
this latest iteration of um, the flagship churches or the church multiplication centers. And um, we just see our guys going out in the field and just, just getting it done. You know, we got areas where there's no building in place, but we've got leaders on the ground that are making disciples, starting discipleship training classes and um, uh, really just they're, they're building up the church, you know, the gathered believers before the building's constructed. So they'll move into the build. The church will move into the building. Right. And um, you see, you know, in some of these persecuted areas, we have uh, some of the boldest missionaries I've ever been around and uh, they're just boldly proclaiming the gospel and people are coming to faith. I talked to one of our guys in a persecuted area last week and um, he said, literally every day is just someone's walking up to me and asking me questions. And, uh, you know, some of them have been closet Christians and they, they don't know what to do. And um, so they ask him and he assimilates them into the church or, you know, there'll be somebody's son who came to faith and like, I don't know what to do with him. I'm a Muslim and uh, you need to train him. And uh, just, just things like this, where um, things that are beyond like human ability and human effort are happening. And uh, God is literally adding to the number every day in some of these areas. So um, it's been, it's been really cool to see that firsthand and just be reminded that that it's a, our privilege and our honor to serve this God. He really doesn't need us, but we just get to be a part of it. Um, so those things are are really cool to see firsthand. That's awesome. Yeah. And the, those answered prayers, man, are just so encouraging, I think. And the, we talked about this in our first episode, but the faithfulness and the, the bold faith that African leaders have, man, I, I always wish I could bring that back here just because it's, it's so, it's so amazing. And uh, it's how I became a believer even was watching that as a, as a child in West Africa and just being blown away with this unhindered faith. And, um, and there's this belief that there truly is nothing that is impossible for God. And, uh, and so that's, that's awesome. Well, uh, Mike, uh, you know, as we're preparing to lead 11 trips from the U.S. Uh, to Northeast Africa this year, uh, what does every partner need to know before they go on a trip with us? Well, um, let's see, where do we begin? Uh, I think, I think the, the, the biggest thing that would be the most helpful is, is, um, is knowing, uh, having some kind of a context for the, for the culture you're going to go into, um, and the difference between the African culture in, in Northeast Africa for us specifically, um, and what you're coming from in America. And, um, and so, you know, the, the way I understand it and my own experience sort of plays out is um, the, the the places in Africa where we work are are they're highly, highly relational. Um, and you may think you're relational, mm-hmm. um, but and you may be relational, but uh, you're probably not as just hardwired relationally as our friends and partners in Africa. And so um, when they meet you, they're thinking, hey, we're going to have a relationship the rest of our lives. Um, And that really impacts how you're interacting. You may not even be conscious of it or be aware of, of how that's impacting the interaction. Um, But uh, so, so, you know, it it may sound negative, but sometimes Americans feel like, 
I feel like they're not just shooting me straight or they're not, you know, they're not just, just be honest with me. Cause in our culture, we just, we value like just mm-hmm. honesty and truth and facts. And, and it, it is, it would be a mistake to say that that is not honored in East Africa. Um, it is, but, but, but a much higher uh, value is my relationship with you. So I, I don't want to say something that's going to hurt your feelings or disappoint you. Um, I'm not being a, you, you feel like I'm being evasive. I'm not, I, I'm thinking I want to be your friend. I want to be your brother, your sister. And we're not at that place in a relationship yet where we can have disagreement. When we get there, I'll do it, but we're, we're at the beginning. And so I think sometimes for Americans, that's one of the things, you know, you, you experience. Um, and the other thing I think, you know, kind of right alongside that, um, we, we ask every short-term mission trip goer to read this article by a, by Kenyon. Um, and, you know, he says, you know, you don't understand how loud your voice is in the room. Mm. So if you're, if you're in a position where you're sitting around discussing something, you know, by voicing your opinion in America, you may be thinking, this is one of four or five different options and we're going to sort through it. But because of that deferential, I want to have a relationship with you. You know, your, your opinion may get weighed more heavily than you realize. Um, And so, you know, he said, how rare is it when a Westerner comes and in that situation, instead of giving an opinion, simply ask, what do you think? You know, and, and defers and you as a, as a Westerner to be deferential to them and how valuable um, that would be. And then, and then the last thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll we can, you know, ask Matt is, uh, um, <laughs> um, is, uh, you're not going to fix anything yeah. in a week or two weeks. We haven't fixed some things in 17, 18 years. Yeah. Um, and it may be that they say, Hey, we're going to do this or they do. And then when you leave, it goes back. Um, and so I think that our value of solving problems and fixing things, um, that's not as high a value. And so my recommendation would be, um, don't try to solve that problem so quickly, you know, instead invest in the relationship and invest in the gospel and the transference of the gospel and don't solve the problem of why you don't, why hot and cold water come out of two spigots, you know, and that's, you're not there for that, you know, and, and, but I do will say, uh, I'll close it with this. I, I will say like, if you, if you walk away feeling the deep conviction to uh, address an issue or problem you see, sure. I mean, and maybe that may be your calling in life even is clean water or agriculture or one of these things. But, but generally speaking, I would say just invest in the rela- relationship because that will give you the biggest return. That's awesome. Yeah. I, you're exactly right. Yeah, I've learned so much about relationships uh, growing up in Africa, but then with African friends and, and the, the, I, they would never dream of the friendship ending. It, you're, you're exactly right. It's for life. And and I, I love that, that aspect of, of friends in, in Africa. Matt, what about you? What do you think? Yeah. For short-term mission trips, I think that um, um, one of our guys on staff said the great commission is not going to be fulfilled through short-term mission trips. Yeah. So um, when we go over there, we go with like a posture of just servanthood. Um, as Mike said, 
they're going to elevate our opinion or things we say, or even just the fact that we're over there and they're going to give us kind of not kind of, they're going to give us just a, um, an elevated platform that isn't realistic. And, um, we just do everything we can on these trips to point back to the local leadership and point back to the local church. And we make sure that our trip participants know that we're not going to be the center of attention. We're going to support these leaders and develop them and um, give them a little bit of fuel in the tank to keep, to keep going because these people serve in some of the hardest conditions in the world. And um, one of the best things we can do is just be, be with them not necessarily have great advice or great theology or, you know, um, anything like that. But just, I remember Edward Dima saying, who was a part of Empower One when he came over, he said, just come over and give me a hug. That'll give me three years. That'll keep me going for three years. Just give me a hug. And that's all I need. So I think that, I mean, it's Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let's not give up on meeting together. And uh, I just think that person to person, face to face, like camaraderie and like just, brotherhood and sisterhood and just fellowshipping um goes a long way so um yeah when we go on these trips we just try to have a realistic expectation that uh we're not going to solve any problems um well not in our in ourselves but because we're going to get on a plane in seven days and leave and they're they're not going to see us so we try to point all of the um attention and and all of that back to the local leadership in the church that is so powerful to, um, you know, it, indigenous leaders are what we need to accomplish the Great Commission around the world. And so I, I love that. I love that our uh, focus is on supporting these indigenous leaders and making sure our partners do the same thing and really honoring them and helping them and empowering them uh, to to uh, share the gospel and plant churches there. And we we do have a lot of fun on our trips too. And, you know, we go on safaris and uh, go to market. So uh, today's episode is brought to you by the, the African market experience here. This is a, <laughs> a boa uh, that I got in a market in Africa. And, you know, going to the market is a great way also to, to actually share your faith and have a gospel conversation. Uh, many of our uh, African pastor friends do that. They will uh, use that that negotiation that happens in the market to share their faith. And uh, and so we really want to encourage you to, to join us on trips. You learn how to do that because you can actually take that experience and apply that at Walmart, at the gas station or wherever, wherever you go. And uh, now, while you can't negotiate at Walmart, you can still have a conversation with the person taking you out. So <laughs> that's a great, great opportunity uh, for us all uh, on our trips. Um, well, Matt, as, as we continue to talk about mission trips, uh, what should partners do on the mission field with Empower One and church planners? What are some things that you have found uh, to be best practices uh, for partners to do? You mean in, in general, like the purpose of the trip? Yeah. Yeah. So typically trips will kind of fall into three categories. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's all, but um, sometimes we're church planning. We may have a graduate from NEATS and uh, we're commissioning him out or it could be somebody spinning out of one of the uh, flagship churches and they're going to plant a church in the local uh, area. We may send a team over there to just go door to door and help them church plant and um, just let people know there's going to be a new church meeting on Sunday right down here and you guys should come. And then 
we'll invite them back. We'll have a meal. We'll have a discipleship lesson. Just give them a pretty basic um, lesson from the Bible and just do our best to bring the local pastors in that area together and try to show just the unity of the church in that area. So one is evangelism, church planning. Another one is just encouragement where we may just go and and sit with with local leaders and just encourage them and um, just love on them, do a little spiritual formation. And uh, we do that at our Bible school needs with our faculty and with our students. Uh, we'll do that in different areas throughout our footprint. Um, and yeah, and then, so yeah, we do that. And then the last one is just to, um, you know, just go go be with our people and just spend time, do a conference and have really, really targeted strategies that we're trying to help train them on. So um, this may be with a flagship pastor. It may be with uh, just local leaderships, but we uh, talk to our field staff and um, ask them, hey, what are some what are some deficiencies you're seeing where you're serving? Like you and I, Chad, we went to we went to Yay and we taught on salvation and sanctification because it's a highly religious and um, you know, legalistic, uh, setting. And, um, so the leaders of the church gathered, what was it? 50 people yeah. together. Yeah. And I think out of that really, really short conference, I think like eight or nine of them put their faith in Christ and we're like, well, you guys are the leaders. And, um, but they had never heard the gospel through like the lens of grace. And, um, so it's just things like that. So, so the third way is just we we take some teachers who um, can go and just encourage and teach and kind of um, troubleshoot some theology and and teach the leaders over there. That's awesome. Now you mentioned Neats. What is Neats? Okay, yeah, sure. Neats is our Bible school. It is the um, it is the um, the heartbeat, the engine of Empower One. Um, it's where we train our church planners. It's where we train our leaders. It's a um, it's a Bible school that trains church planners. Like that's it. That's our bread and butter. So um, our flagship churches, they vet um, disciples and they'll send them to the Bible school to train them how to church plant, to strengthen the local churches. So when they finish their education, they're going to go back to their local churches and make it stronger. And um, so everything flows to and through NEATS back out into the field. That's awesome. What does NEAT stand for? It is Northeast African Theological Seminary. Right. So it wouldn't be a cool missions organization if we didn't have good acronyms. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. That's a must. <laughs> oh, cool, man. Thank you for, for sharing that, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting to see partners discover what God is doing. Because I think when they think of uh, Northeast Africa, you know, there's just a lack of knowledge of what God's doing. And and the the, the movement that's happening there is is amazing uh, through uh, these leaders. Um, well, uh, Mike, as we we think about uh, participation on uh, mission trips, uh, what should partners absolutely not do on the mission field with Empower One church planners? <laughs> <laughs> what should you absolutely not do? Not do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I think. Um, you know, I think assume that you know more and better than our local leaders. <laughs> One thing you should absolutely not do. Yeah. Um, and 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 so you know, and and think secondly, um, you know, um, is I don't want to use a double negative here, but uh 
is to not not consult them and ask them first for things. You know, again, it kind of it's, it's two sides of the of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you're you come in and you assume you know what's best, mm-hmm. but worse than that is when you then just go right in and start applying it without asking first or yeah. doing some research first or yeah. you know consulting the local leaders mm-hmm. first um which is sort of a a specific example of a much bigger issue of just being you know really prideful yeah. and and disrespectful um and again it may not you know, you may not realize it, it, it could be coming oddly enough. It could be coming from a good place. You know, we're like, well, I've got this great, whatever material, or I've this worked before in, you know, India and or Bolivia or, you know, or Costa Rica. And so it's got to work everywhere. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe, it may, it may, but, but I think um, it's just sort of a common, you know, um, <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself, you know, what, how would you want to be treated? Would you want someone to come in and just immediately start talking at you and being directive, or would you want someone to come in and sit down and love you and you feel loved? And what do you really need? What do you, what's really going on here? And then can I be, you know, it's that whole thing, you know, and Matt talked about one of the best practice of, do I need to just practice the presence of, of presence of just being there? Yeah. Or do I need to, is this something I can help and speak into? And so, um, but it's just it's it's a posture of of love and deference and serve and certain service that you would want. So anything anything opposite that, I'd say don't do. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, and, you know we've all gotten the call from uh, the well-meaning partner who wants to come do a football clinic or soccer clinic. You know uh when you know we know the the africans have, have got soccer down they, they they know they know how to play soccer and i'll never forget uh we got a, a call in spain one time about that with from a well-meaning partner wanted to come in and do a a, a soccer clinic among madrileño uh kids that were you know they they were very good at soccer when a world cup there <laughs> you know <laughs> so um yeah it, it, i think that's that's a really good point it's thinking through hey what what is going to benefit them and you know how do i come beside them you know and, and support them uh in, in that way um and and I, I love the way we structure our trips to do that to make that happen to facilitate you know opportunities for partners to teach and but also in, engage in relationship and um you know lots of we have lots of debriefing time and lots of great meals together and uh you know when we read about Jesus's ministry a lot of his conversations happen around food and so i really believe in that that <laughs> there's some great ministry opportunity there that happens around uh a great african meal and uh so that's that's awesome uh, well, as we uh, move on in the conversation to look at participation, and we've already talked about prayer and participation, but to look at provision, what are uh, some needs would you say that we have, Mike, around providing for the 15 flagship personal application centers that we're, we're launching in the three countries in Northeast Africa? Yeah, we so we've got funding. Um, I mean, God's been really good. I mean, taught you asked earlier about prayer and 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 just seeing the fruit of, of prayer and being answered and around this project. It's, it's certainly the biggest project we've ever un- undertaken. You know, fifteen multiplication centers, um, which would include a, a flagship church, uh, a primary school, uh, a training center for church planners, clean water kiosk, 
pharmacy and a radio tower, you know, so these are this, this holistic way of doing ministry, but with the heartbeat of still um, training church planners, starting new churches, reaching the unreached. Um, so the first eight of just the churches, not the whole center, just the actual churches um, have been funded. We've had one, one school, uh, one primary school um, and three, I think three water um, kiosk funded. So, um, you know, somewhere between um, funding for the next flagship church um, or a primary school or clean water to come alongside one of those, those are really our priority areas. And then and then after that would come um, either the training center. But, you know, we can use the church before we, we get that. Um, and then the pharmacy to meet, you know, health needs in, in communities. But um, so either a, a flagship church in, in the next area, um, clean water or a primary school are our are big needs right now in those in those um, multiplication centers. OK, great. So you would say those are the most pressing needs yeah. that we have in those, those social multiplication centers. Um, I love the fact that that we're we're doing the, the most holistic version that I've seen of a church multiplication center model in that adding all of those support pieces there. Um, it, it, I mean, it really is an opportunity to transform communities, cities, countries, I mean, the, the future of generations there, uh, which is really exciting to, to see that when you think about it, the, the church on, on mission and the, the church not only being a place where people are gathered worship, but actually an incubator for future church plants and sometimes a refuge or a place for you know, people to, to gather in other, other times for safety, but then also, you know, uh, uh, churches uh, as a pharmacy clinic, uh, you know, all these other pieces of the primary and secondary school, the seminary extension center, water kiosk, and the radio tower. And the radio tower, too, is uh, uh, some people may not know it. In 2008, there was a huge revival that happened throughout the Berber Mountains because the gospel was being broadcast from uh, Barcelona, Spain, into Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, and the whole villages became believers as a result. And so there, there's a there's a power there to the, they, to to take the gospel into a, a home, into a Muslim home that it would have never gone into before otherwise. So it's exciting to to see that. Um, what what would you say is the best way to, for people to give? They want to give to 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 those church publication centers. The, probably the easiest way is to go to our website. It's empowered one and spelled out one.org yeah. um if you go to the website you'll see uh it's a you know the uh, top right hand corner is a is a give or a donate button um and you can find different options if you want to give to one of those or just give to the you know the general fund which may go to a flagship church or it may go to you know cover a salary of a church planner in africa or or, or even you know making this call possible so or this, this video possible so um that's probably the easiest way um there's also you can find on there um our mailing address if you prefer to mail a check or connect directly um, with a bank uh, or give through your foundation all that is on a on a give page there on on the website okay great thank you and then how often do you need partners to give yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll keep answering, Matt. If you, I mean, you're welcome to jump in, but you know, <laughs> um, you know, um, I having done this for a little bit, I understand there are, um, you know, different circumstances. You know, so uh, there's um, some men and women who are business owners who who prefer to give, you know, on a quarterly or an annually basis, 
just based on how their revenue works. And, and listen, you know, when you're a ministry, you know, you're not real picky when people give, but you really do want them to give. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, uh, what we're what we're trying to move uh, to have a little bit more emphasis on um, this year is a thing we call the village, and the village is simply the name of the of what we call people who give monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the great thing about um, folks who will sign up and give monthly is is it is it lets us plan a little bit. Um, you know, we don't sell widget. We are not forecasting sales of, of a certain widget. You know, yeah. we are um, we're a faith based, donation based ministry. And look, we believe we trust the Lord completely, um, and we are happy with whatever He puts in our hands. Um, and at the same time, when folks are willing to join the village and give a monthly, whether that's a hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month, you know, whatever it it just it really helps us. Um, plan our finances and, and know what we, we absolutely can count on and know we can do in the coming quarter, half year, year going forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the those partners that commit to give and then follow through and give and then are faithful are, are just so we're so grateful for that. So yeah, all all of the donors out there listening to this, watching this, thank you so much for your faithfulness awesome. to give. Uh, we, we are so grateful for that. It, it really does help us, uh, with this movement that, that God is, has started supernaturally in ways that we would have never dreamed of, but, but it's, it's exciting to see what, what is happening and the, the return on that investment that you've given is, is incredible, uh, there. Well, Matt, what are some other opportunities for, uh, partners to give to Empower One? Yeah, I mentioned before our Bible school needs and, um, you know, we run, we run that really lean, you know, we don't have extra fluff. Like we, you know, we have a building where all the students sleep and uh, it's not like a, this big grandiose institution. It's just a, it's just bare bones. So um, we run that really lean and um, what we would like to do is kind of for the opportunity sake of our students and our staff, our faculty over there, our faculty and they're, they're professors, but they're not just theologians, they're preachers, they're shepherds, and their heart is to see these students not just graduate, but to excel in ministry for the rest of their life. So um, we want to give them the ability and kind of the wiggle room and uh, just the freedom to jump on a motorbike and 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 go out into into these churches and, and shepherd and disciple or have kind of the budget to book them a flight from from Juba to, you know, wherever we're serving around, uh, that footprint. So, um, needs is always, always, um, a place that they can give. And it's, it's a really, really, um, key part to who we are. And as you said, Chad, it's just a huge return on investment because these guys, you know, they're going to, they're going to multiply that gift, whatever they give. And man, I, tr- I truly believe that like people who give, you're not going to know like the impact of your gift until like we get to eternity, you know, we don't, we don't, and we can't share everything that goes on in the field and where the money goes, not because, you know, we're not transparent, but just because we can't report in some of these areas. But, but, but yeah, I mean, when we say partnership, like it truly is a partnership, we can't do this without our supporters. So, um, and I, yeah, I don't think that, that we, 
as I say that, I don't think that I know or we know the impact that we're going to have until we get face to face with Jesus and see all the people who came to faith because of faithful people uh, stewarding the resources here. Yeah, yeah, that's it, a great point. It, it reminds me of our leader of Neats, Mawa. Uh, yeah. You know, his, his story is is, is amazing. Uh, what he's, he's doing is amazing. What, what I uh, would love to share in this uh, conversation too is his need to come to the U.S. and uh, get a visa to come to the U.S. And so that's uh, a an opportunity to pray, participate, and provide <laughs> as we as we uh, we seek for that to happen and, and know that that will happen eventually. But um, it'd be great to have him. Well, well, tell me about. I know we've you and I have talked, man, about the need for women to to have yeah. funds. Um, tell us about the the women's empowerment fund and empower one. Yeah, the Women's Empowerment Ministry is um, just that, like we're trying to empower women. Um, if we want to, you know, we all, we, our heartbeat is to advance the gospel for generations. And uh, one of the the biggest disciples of the home is is the mamas, which is an endearing term for the, the women over there. They're the ones raising the kids. They're the ones that are um, really nurturing and growing these kids. So we hope to, our plan for this year is to... Um, really build out a ministry just laser focused on teaching these women um, the Bible and what it means to disciple and how to do that, give them the tools and the resources to um, not only minister to their children, but other women in their area. And as Mike said, this is an extremely relational culture. So um, wherever there, if you go ever go over there, you're just going to see 10 women just sitting there talking. They may be, you know, they may be cooking, they may be, you know, preparing a meal, they may be gathering wood or starting a fire, but they're always together and they're always talking. And um, we just want, we want to see this women's empowerment um, ministry really take off and uh, invest in these ladies who they're amazing. If you've ever been over there, you'll see just the joy they have. And just that when you know, just the hardship they've endured and they still have the joy that they have um, just being able to, to, give them the opportunity to learn and um, and to like do what their heart's desire is because uh, they've been overlooked in this culture for a really, really long time. So we want to empower them as, uh, you know, just as Jesus empowered women in his time, we want to do the same thing. Well, I don't know, Mike, we're looking for someone to lead the women's ministry in the U.S. team. Uh, what kind of leader are you looking for? <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> we're looking for someone who can rally other uh, primarily women to, um, to this cause, to this need, you know, I mean, Matt put it really well. I mean, the, 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 I mean, in addition, I would say, you know, I think like 85%, the makeup of our local churches are probably 85% women. And so, um, you know, so, so someone who can, who can really rally, um, other women in the West Mm -hmm. to partner with, um, the women in Africa, um, to do all the things that we talked about, you know, encouragement, share the gospel. I mean, I think we'll probably have some special lanes for for the women's ministry. Things like trauma, um, loneliness, depression, uh, some some family um, training as well. Um, so someone who can kind of bring that to bear, and then you know, looking for someone who has you know can also you know, create the framework for some discipleship groups that are women-based that will multiply uh, inside the local church and be supportive of the local church. 
uh, there in Northeast Africa. So um, uh, a special person we were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. thank you guys so much for your time today. Uh, we are we're really grateful uh, to be having this conversation. So thank you, you audience, for listening to us. And and uh, we would love to host you on a, a mission trip this year, next year, the year after, whenever you want to come. We would love to host you in Northeast Africa. So thank you for joining another Empower One Network conversation.